What's popping, everyone? Welcome to the Flea Flicker NFS Show, episode 47. I'm your host, Arif Umar, and I'm joined by my awesome co-host, Amal Ronak. What's up, Amal? What's up, Arif? Uh, lots. Just kidding. There's not that much to really talk about this week. Um, it's kind of becoming a trend recently. Not, not that yeah, much to talk about news. Yeah, exactly. COVID would normally be the news um, or like entering into trade deadline, there'd be some type of news or rumors that were going on suspensions there's nothing like that either um so yeah i mean with there being not really any news we can immediately move on to um games that happened this past week and we had potentially on monday the the game of the year in the baltimore ravens against the cleveland browns divisional matchup the first matchup the ravens absolutely dominated them it, it, the game wasn't really ever close in the first time they, they met each other i think was it week one or read that they met each other week one or week two i think the final score was like 37 to 7 yeah it, it was nowhere it, 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 it the game was it was a blowout essentially and um baker mayfield didn't look good obviously odell beckham was a receiver there and it's interesting to read because baker mayfield <laughs> And is it not just this year, but his entire career has looked excellent without Odell Beckham. And uh, I, 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 I don't know if it's because they're force-feeding him targets and they need to get him involved in the offense. I find it quite odd because considering he is a great elite receiver himself, and I'm surprised that, uh, that Baker is not performing well with him on the field. But when he's off the field, he's performing like this. Uh, he was very clutch in that game. Uh, Browns were down. I mean – Obviously, Lamar Jackson, I don't know if you guys know. You guys probably, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably know what happened. Uh, Lamar Jackson was cramping in the middle of the game. Uh, he exited the game, I believe, like, I think, entering into the fourth quarter, he exited the game. Um, and apparently, it was serious cramps. Uh, he did not, he was not pulling up Paul Pierce, he said. Um, so, uh, it was very, it was quite serious in his end. And then, uh they put in Trace McSorley for two drives. And the second drive, it looks like he sprained his ankle on the third down play. And uh, just as the two-minute warning came up, uh, Lamar Jackson came in. And uh, he got the job done and led the, led the Ravens to a touchdown immediately. And then on top of that, Baker Mayfield, he drove them, the Browns, down the field. And they got a touchdown immediately as well. And then they gave – the problem was the Browns gave Lamar Jackson too much time to work. And at that That's point, crazy because it was only a minute, Amal. It was only yeah, a minute that's left not, I, I don't consider that too much time. There's only certain QBs I think that's too much time, and I think Tom Brady is definitely one of them. I think guys like Tom – I mean, Tom Brady hasn't really shown it in recent age, but definitely Tom Brady is one of them. Aaron Rodgers. Uh, those type of elite quarterbacks that, like, just you know they're going to do something special in the clutch time. Even back in the day, Joe Flacco was like that. I mean, it's crazy that I'm saying that. But just, like, there's certain QBs that you know when they're about to step on the field last minute, they're going to do something special. And when he threw that dime touchdown to Marquise Hollywood Brown, uh, the second he entered into the game, I think that I already knew, even if the Browns got a touchdown, that the Ravens were just destined to win. And even Baker Mayfield said it himself that it came straight out. It looks, it almost looked like it came straight out of a movie. It was like a scripted almost. And um, I, I mean, you can't do anything about that, man. Uh, on, in terms of the running game, you can't, you couldn't stop uh, this Baltimore running, rush, rush, uh, rushing attack. 
Lamar Jackson had 124 yards on the ground. That was three quarters in, basically, because he didn't run it at all pretty much in the in the fourth quarter. And uh, J.K. Dobbins had 53 yards. Gus Edwards had 49 yards. So those three combined for 231 total rushing yards. And the Browns, I'm surprised they got outrushed, actually, because the two, the dynamic duo and Chubb and Hunt got limited to 138 rushing yards. Uh, but like I said, Baker Mayfield definitely carried his load here. And for the fact, and I want to, I'm, I'm actually, actually going to compliment this team because entering into the fourth quarter they were down 34 20 and uh yes Lamar Jackson was out but hey man that Braves D is still a very good defense probably I would say top five top 10 defense I'd say top five and they they walked in and they even got the lead on them uh and uh, I mean I, I don't know what to tell you they were they looked impressive today, Reed. And even though they lost at the end of the day, 47 to 42, I think uh, this was a moral victory. Kind of similar to what we said about the Seattle Seahawks New England Patriots game, because we were both very high. We weren't we weren't unsure of what the Patriots were capable of, and then they kept that game close and Reed kept the great game. But I think this is a completely different story, and I think uh, Baker Mayfield keeping the kick. Uh, keeps it up and he kept it up last week against Tennessee and he kept it up this week against Baltimore I mean you can make a serious serious argument that the Browns are the threat to the Kansas City Chiefs in the AFC and uh, they can be the team to knock them up because their defense is it's it's not awful I think their defense is pretty good on paper it's, it's great but if everyone's playing up to par then that's a great defense solid defense and on offense, if they if they match the output that Patrick Mahomes has, and I think they definitely have the capability to, considering they just did that with Lamar Jackson. Uh, yeah, this is definitely a team to definitely be scared of when it comes to the playoffs. Yeah. So for me, I disagree with you on a few points there. And one, the first point you started off by talking about how Baker Mayfield has performed better without OBJ on the field, and I think you're sort of almost clouding a judgment almost because it's just like Baker Mayfield wasn't playing well then, period. And so, like, it might have been OBJ, but it might also just be that Baker Mayfield developed and became a better quarterback as the year went on. And I can tell you that that's where I'd probably put my chips on it. Like, I think Baker Mayfield, compared to, like, week five to, like, week – I think it was week 14 last week, right? he's a completely different player. He's has that, like that poise. He's making good decisions. He's when he's running, there was one play on, I think it might've been a third down. Baker Mayfield is pressured out of the pocket. He steps up and he's about to cross the line of scrimmage, but he still, he doesn't run. He looks and then he throws it calmly across his body. And it was a wide open receiver and they got the first down. Like those kind of plays that charisma, not the charisma, but that poise, that maturity that Baker Mayfield is showing. I mean, there he's throwing dimes. He's way more decisive. There's one play, and I immediately knew it was going to be a deep shot. It was very similar to a touchdown that happened last week against the Titans, where it was a jumbo set. They had they only had one wide receiver in tops uh, right side of the field. It was Donovan Peoples Jones, and he, ran, he he got a touchdown last week, right? This week they ran a sale concept with him, or, or a smash concept. I'm forgetting the, the name of it where they have like a high-low and they're trying to sort of bait out Marlon Humphrey and he has to choose whether to go down or go up. And Baker Mayfield, he pulls the trigger immediately on the deep corner the minute he saw Marlon Humphrey sort of 
playing both of us at the same time, which you can't do. You got to choose one of them. And he pulled the trigger immediately. It was a dime of a ball on the move. Uh, he was rolling out. And it's just Baker Mayfield to me is a completely different player. And like you said, when I, I walked out of this game with a moral victory for the Browns because they came back, they were in the lead, they're running the ball with authority in the fourth quarter. Like they're doing lots of things late in that game that I really, really think that can like if that's how it will be for them later on in the season and in the playoffs, then yeah, I agree with you. There's no reason why they can't be a legitimate playoff contender. Um one thing though, their defense, bro, their defense just doesn't know how to tackle well. Like I I, I don't know how else to phrase it. That last drive. Uh, it was thrown to Mark Andrews, the tight end for the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, Lamar Jackson threw it to him twice, and he got like five to ten extra yards on both those plays due to poor tackling attempts by the Cleveland Browns. And if you tackle there, I mean, you might even win the game. Like, it's that simple. I know the score is 47 to 42, but it, that was a safety at the end of the game on a, on a play that really did not matter whatsoever. But when it came down to it um, – the Achilles heel for the Browns isn't Baker Mayfield anymore. I came into the season thinking, will Baker Mayfield be able to carry the team? In the last five, six weeks, he's been playing phenomenal football, right? And I know there are lots of memes, uh, especially on Instagram, where Baker Mayfield misses a read here or there, and they make a big deal out of it. But, dude, i got to say, I'm impressed with the way Baker Mayfield's playing. He has, the, at least this game, he had that clutch gene. And he was making big throws, good decisions. That run game, and especially the screen game, you talked about how you expected the, the Browns to have more than 138 rushing yards. It's because Kareem Hunt had like 77 yards uh, receiving. And I can guarantee you most of those were screen passes or dump offs, which are essentially running plays. So, yeah, the Achilles here for the Browns is not quarterback. It's not on offense at all. It's clearly on the defensive side of the ball and whether or not they can stop other teams from scoring it will. Right now, the Browns are the 25th ranked defense in points allowed per game. Like, that's not good, Amal, whatsoever. That's just piss poor. Like, there's no way you're going to win a game against Patrick Mahomes. Like, you said on paper the defense is playing really well. But when you're going against high-scoring offenses, and the Ravens by no means are – like a high-flying, like high-scoring offense as c compared to what they were last year and, and uh, in Lamar Jackson's MVP campaign. Like this Ravens team is not the same offense. Like the passing game for the Ravens is still a pretty big deal. Lamar Jackson was not good through the air today. Um, but yeah, the Achilles here for the Browns is clearly it's like their defense. Their defense to me is a big hole. And if they can't fix that, then I don't see them making a legitimate Super Bowl run. And on the Ravens side, I mean, you said it, it was sort of like a superhero, like like a comic book, like you know, out of a movie sort of side of sort of scene where you see Lamar Jackson running back onto the field uh, right after the two minute warning, and yeah, I mean, it was right when Tracy McSorley got hurt actually, like got hurt, and then immediately two minute warning, you see Lamar Jackson walking out like a superhero, and that's all she wrote. Um, but overall, game of the year. Just phenomenal plays by both quarterbacks, both offenses, and the defenses. Um, the Ravens' defense, they were injured. The corners were both injured. Uh, and the third corner, I believe it was Jimmy Smith for part of the game. I believe he also went out. And whoever came in for him did not do a good job. He was getting picked at and definitely targeted by Baker Mayfield. But overall, phenomenal game. I, I'm happy it was a Monday night game.
and I, th- I believe this game was flex as well, or maybe this is the Sunday night football matchup this week. I don't know, but definitely a, a good game. Yeah, definitely. Uh, uh, probably the game of the year, like I said. It's definitely a game that was definitely worth watching. Uh, we can move on to another important game, I think, that we saw this week. Chiefs-Dolphins. I think this was two playoff teams. Uh, I mean, Dolphins are not potential playoff teams that are uh, that were facing each other. Dolphins have probably the toughest schedule remaining, and uh, the fact that they have to face Tom to get this week at this time could not have been better. Easily, easily time. Miles Gaskin couldn't play because he was realized twice, I believe, on COVID IR, and that hurt thinking he just came back. Um, but I think my biggest takeaway here is a great defense stopped Patrick Mahomes. Um, three picks, man. He had, I think, three picks all year, and he had three picks in this game. Um, that, that doesn't happen. I, I, I don't see Mahomes get three picks. And now it makes a serious question mark on whether he really deserves uh, to get NFL League MVP. Um, it's, 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 a, it's a shame. They got the win, but that's expected. Uh, they were down double digits fourth, and they got it done. But um, the, the loss of 30 was ridiculous. I, did you see, I don't know if you saw the play where they kicked it, but they lost 30 yards. Oh, my God. Yeah, I did. Uh, yeah, Patrick Mahomes backing up for 30 yards and taking a sack. I, Very bad play. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I've, I've probably seen that maybe one other time. 30 yards losses you don't get at, at all. Uh, if you get that, it's because of penalties. You don't get that because of a guy actually getting sacked 30 yards back. But regardless, the major takeaway was the Dolphins' defense can play. And they've, they've been outperforming at my expectation and definitely your expectation um, this season uh, as a whole. But, yeah, I mean, that was the main thing, takeaway here. I expected the Chiefs to win. You expected the Chiefs to win. It wasn't like nothing we didn't expect. We expected probably to be probably run the same score, but Patrick Mahomes' performance is, is what really kept that from yeah, and see, I don't think Patrick Mahomes played that badly. I, I know he threw two, three picks. Two of those were off tip balls. And, yeah, I think one of them was clearly not his fault. One of them, like, it could have been a slightly better ball. But, again, he had three picks. But for me, the moral of the story is he threw three picks, and they still were leading, like, 30 to 10 at one point, I believe it was. Or maybe it was, like, 27 to 10. Like, and you hit on – uh, you said that Patrick Mahomes, this brings into question whether or not he's MVP. And I agree with you, but for a different reason. Like for me, it's just that the Chiefs offense has so many weapons. Like Travis Kelsey for me is making an offensive player of the year uh, campaign for sure. I believe he might still be leading the league in receiving yards. If not, he's really close. And I mean, just looking at him, I mean, he's open all the time and he's getting 100 yard games, touchdowns every single week. And Tyreek Hill, same thing. He's getting weird rushing touchdowns and deep balls every week. For me, the thing that takes away from Patrick Mahomes' MVP campaign is the fact that he threw three picks, but they still were leading by that much. And they won by, like, I know the final margin was six points. It was a 17-point comeback by the the, uh, Dolphins in the fourth quarter to make it that close. But when it comes down to it, like, Patrick Mahomes doesn't even have to play well for the Chiefs to win games. And that, for me, is why Patrick Mahomes isn't MVP. Because, I mean, Russell Wilson, he has to play lights out to win most games, except for the Chiefs, um, or Jets, rather. 
uh, against the Jets. Uh, Aaron Rodgers for me is MVP because like I don't see it. like we saw Aaron Rodgers have a bad day earlier this year against the uh, against the Buccaneers, right? And in that game, I mean, it was clearly it was clear that the Bucks uh, the Packers had no chance in competing in that game. And their defense was bad, I get it, but their offense just couldn't do anything. And without Aaron Rodgers playing well, like they couldn't have a run game. They couldn't do anything. And we've seen Aaron Rodgers play well and the Packers lose. And just by going for the MVP, like the definition of the MVP award, I give it to Aaron Rodgers. And also, he, statistically, he's leading the league in, I think, every single stat, like in positive stats, obviously. Like he's not leading the league in interceptions. He's thrown the least interceptions, I believe, actually. Just overall, I think Aaron Rodgers is my MVP. And yeah, that's my takeaway from the Chiefs game. And I went to the Packers game. But yeah, that's just my final takeaway on the MVP. Um, yeah, and that's about it. Yeah, yeah, we can move on. Uh, we can move on to, yeah, I guess um, the Colts-Raiders game, I think it's a game that is definitely worth noting. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I expected the Colts to win, but not in this fashion. Uh, dominant performance is definitely the word I would use here, and uh, I'm pretty sure you could agree with that. But I think the Raiders have also been looking quite lackluster since their uh, game against the Chiefs. Uh, when their backs are against the wall, it seems to me that they perform well. Like, they had their entire offensive line on the COVID IR uh, entering into that Chiefs game. So that's why they had doubts on whether they, they'd be able to pull it off. And they performed very well uh, in that game. So, yeah, I mean, but this was a game that the Raiders should have won considering it's in Vegas and it was a great, it should have been a bounce back game. And if they won that game, their playoff chances would have rose exponentially like crazy. Um, and the Colts' chances would have diminished for sure. And um, the fact that they couldn't ca- capitalize uh, really says a lot. Uh, Jack, Josh Jacobs got minimized to only 49 yards uh, rushing. Jonathan Taylor looked like a beast out there. T.Y. Hilton, Past three games, T.Y. Holmes looks quite looks quite good now. I think he's finally getting back into the rhythm. I think him and Rivers are finally clicked. Uh, Philip Rivers has looked well. Um, the past two past five games, he's only thrown I believe four picks. That's uh, I consider that pretty good. Uh, and um, yeah, I think the Colts are getting their job done. And I did not expect the score to be forty-four to twenty-seven, but hey, man, I'll take it. Yeah, um, you hit on a key, a few key things. Like Jonathan Taylor finally had, I think, his true like big boy game. Like he's not been like the best this year, um, and yeah, he just put it together. And just something to note: Paul Gunther, the defensive coordinator for the Las Vegas Raiders, was fired after this game. And I mean, you just got to look at the score of the game. They allowed 150 rushing yards to Jonathan Taylor. They allowed. A ton of passing yards. Three. Uh, they allowed. Well, not really. Actually, two forty-four. But they allowed two hundred twelve rushing yards. And right now, the Raiders are thirtieth in the league in points allowed per game. Thirty point one points per game allowed. It makes sense why they fired him. Clearly, he was not doing the best job that he could have been potentially doing. And yeah, this Raiders team for me, it's interesting. And we're gonna talk about the playoff picture uh, later on in the show. But the Raiders for me, it's interesting because they had the, the Chargers come to the Raiders tomorrow on Sunday Night Football, right? And that's not, definitely not a, a freebie game. 
And then the, the Dolphins come to the Raiders. Again, another good team. And then the Week 17, the Raiders go to the Broncos. And the Broncos have been playing some pretty decent football at least the last two weeks. So if the Broncos keep on that trajectory, that's also like not a gimme game. And right now the Raiders are ninth in playoff seeding. They are seven and six. And the seventh seed is currently held by the Dolphins, eight and five. The Ravens are also eight and five. So like they've got to win out in my mind to have a shot at making the playoffs. And you hit on it. They've sort of been declining. Derek Carr hasn't been playing his best. He threw two picks in this game. The defense has been playing bad. Josh Jacobs isn't playing the best. And again, the Colts are a good defensive line up front. They got Glover, uh, Glover Cleveland, I believe his name is, and also DeForest Buckner. Two defensive tackles that I think are probably like top 20, at least for Glover Cleveland. He's another guy. I believe got an extension recently. You can correct me on that, seeing as you're the Colts expert. Grover Stewart. Yeah, Grover Stewart. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Grover Cleveland's a president. My bad. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's my final so we could take away from this game. We can go to the Pittsburgh Steelers and Buffalo Bills game because um, the result obviously didn't shock you. You picked the Bills. I picked the Steelers. Um, but yeah, the final score, 26 to 15. And honestly, like in the third quarter, the Bills just pulled away. And Josh Allen, just impressive play after impressive play. And I've got to say, Stephon Diggs probably impressed me the most on this team because, I mean, he was open like every single play in the third and fourth quarter. Like he got like seven or eight grabs in that third and fourth quarter. He was just open all the time for clutch first downs. Josh Allen was more accurate uh, later in that game. He started off not the best, but pro- third, fourth quarter, he was money, bro. And yeah, that's just my takeaway. The Bills did everything they could on offense. And Brian Dable, the offensive coordinator for the Buffalo Bills, has got to take massive credit. And I believe he's a, p- a potential front runner for a head coaching job because the job that he's done with Josh Allen, helping him develop, setting up schemes to make schemes to allow him to succeed. Like, I mean, if I'm a team, like, I don't know, like the Eagles with Carson Wentz, if I look at what Brian Dable has done with Josh Allen, who Josh Allen was less accurate than Carson Wentz has been throughout his career. uh, Minus this year, obviously. And same physical uh, school tool set. Both are very, you know, mobile in the pocket, bigger guys, got strong arms. Like, I've seen what he's done with a raw product like that. Like, why wouldn't I take a gamble on someone like that? Someone like Justin Herbert, who was also a pretty good uh, player in the pocket, who can navigate the pocket decently. And he's also got a cannon. Like, why wouldn't I want Brian Dable, who has done great things with another raw quarterback, to coach my team and essentially right the ship, uh, especially if I'm an L.A. Chargers fan. So that's just my thoughts on Brian Dable. And for the Steelers, right? I mean, they're, they're just killing themselves. Penalties, drops, Deontay Johnson, like, dropping a ton of balls. Big Ben, if he can't get the ball out quick, it's just not good for him, just in the offense as a whole. Like, you'd expect a lot, like, with all the weapons, uh, James Washington, Juju, um, Chase Claypool has kind of gone missing recently, Deontay Johnson. Like, they've got lots of weapons. You'd expect them to fly high, but clearly it starts on the ground game, and – I mean, 15 yards, again, I think you were hitting on it last week, just not good enough to beat an NFL team. they got to fix things, period. Yeah, you hit on a lot of good points there, Reeb. I think uh, they, they just have to fix a lot of things, and that's the only way why uh, they were put in this position. 
back to back losses, it, it kills, man. Um, starting off 11 and 0, losing to the football team, and now losing to the Bills. Bills are a team that's on the come up, though. They they look good. Stephon Diggs was getting whatever he wanted that game. Ten receptions, 130 yards, and a touchdown. Um, yeah, great great team play by uh, the Buffalo Bills. I think methodically uh, when it comes to this game, and the Steelers got to step it up, man. I expect Mike Tomlin to be fired up. I know they're about to play Cincinnati this week, so they may take the gas off the pedal a little bit. But they need to be prepared because the next the, the two games after that, I mean, the, they're struggling to beat the Bills, man. The Colts are there and the Browns are there. And uh, it, 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 they, they honestly could lose the next two. And if they lose to the Browns, then um, if they lose to the Browns and the Browns went out, then they're tied with the Browns and uh, in the division. So you don't yeah, I don't know how the tiebreakers out. work there, but it'll yeah. definitely be interesting. Yeah, so you, you don't you don't want to get yourself in that position. Um, so I think this is definitely a wake up call. James Conner, I think the past two James Conner just came back this week, but James Conner, the, the the run game altogether it's been non existent, man. Ten carries for eighteen yards this week. I mean, you you need to have more of a run game in order for you to stand a chance in, in this league. Period. Eighteen yards as, as your leading rusher won't get the job done, bro. You got it. You got to step it up. Especially when the passing game isn't that elite, where Big Ben only had 187 yards passing, you need to have some type of run game. Otherwise, your offense is just depleted completely, and you don't have an offensive team or real offensive threat necessarily. And they only had a defensive threat, and their defense looked pretty good. It's just they they couldn't stop Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs. Uh, and yeah, that's essentially why they won this game. But yeah, we can yeah. Uh, we can move we can on. Move on. We can do the Pats Rams game. This happened on Thursday night. This game was kind of irrelevant, I'll be honest, because we both expected the Rams to win. And uh, yeah, I think this was a, just a breakout game for Cam Akers. Cam Akers was incredible out there. He had a really great first quarter. I think he already had 100 yards rushing in the first quarter. So um, yeah, he, he had himself a great game. And uh, just based off that, 29 carries. I mean, if they give a guy 29 carries, that's how they know. But they really, I think this is the first time they're viewing him as a true bell cow running back. They, yes, they have Daryl Henderson, they have Malcolm Brown, and then they have Cam Akers. And entering into the season, Cam Akers was the third string running back. So we never knew um, when Cam Akers would finally pop off. And uh, the past two weeks, he's definitely uh, stepped up to the mark and showed that he can truly be the bell, bell cow running back, take on the burden that uh, – take on uh, whatever was left of Todd Gurley and then carry on that uh, Rams rushing attack uh, in L.A. And uh, in terms of the Patriots, uh, there's no surprise here. Their offense is also, like I said, the non-existent. Um, like I said about the Steelers, there's nothing going on here. And the Rams defense is um, – the Rams defense is just too good. Um, and that, 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 that is not really worth yeah, my one takeaway from this game is Tom Brady also fails with weapons that Cam Newton is surrounded by. And at this point of their careers, I mean, in all points of their careers, honestly, Tom Brady has been a better quarterback, except maybe 2015 Cam Newton's MVP season. So, yeah, it's no surprise that he's failing. And also, we see what a good running game does for a team because Cam Akers, he ran for, uh, for 177 yards. And then you, 171, rather. And Jared Goff threw for 137. They ran for more yards, and their offense 
pretty successful. Um, yeah, defense though, pick six in this game. Clearly, that uh, that defense is what helped them win this game. We can move on to the New Orleans Saints versus the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, yeah, an upset away. here. Um, so pretty big upset. The New, uh, New Orleans Saints go into Philadelphia and lose twenty-one to twenty-four. They did rally back late, and uh, the Eagles almost threw this game with a really wonky sort of onside recovery that could have gone either way, but the refs sort of didn't even look at it from what I looked at. And, hey, we won the game. I would say I'm not complaining, but, dude, I'll be honest. Like, Jalen Hurts, first game, he played really well early on in that game. And throughout the game, his legs clearly had a big impact. The, uh, the Saints haven't allowed a 100-yard rusher in, like, forever, and they allowed two this week in Miles Sanders and in uh, Jalen Hurts. So, like, clearly that was something that was working for them. And, there, I mean, other than an 82-yard run for Miles Sanders, which was a great run, stiff on Malcolm Jenkins on the way there, and I love Malcolm, but that's just funny. Um, other than that, Miles Sanders was also held pretty, like, relatively in check. So, like, it wasn't that the Saints defense was not doing, like, a good job. Like, they were playing pretty well the whole game. It's just that one run for Miles Sanders and then Jalen Hurts just always scrambling out of the pocket with allowed for 200-yard rushes. But I'll be honest. I said this, and Jalen Hurts is a young quarterback. This is his second game and his first NFL start. But it sort of seemed that the Saints had them figured out at the end, bro. Like, I'll be honest. Like, uh, after the half – the Eagles did nothing and until the end where they had a, a, a rushing touchdown from Miles Sanders, a pretty solid drive if I remember correctly as well. And other than that, like th- that's all. That's that's all that happened in the end of the game. Like my, uh, Jer- Jaron Hurts just wasn't getting the job done. And it's clear that the receivers weren't getting open. The, the pocket was always collapsing, so he was forced to run, couldn't get through all his reads. The run game wasn't really working the whole day. It was just it was just interesting like i don't know and also Carson uh, um talking about Carson Wentz Doug Peterson seemed to call a different game for Jalen Hurts more uh more rollouts more bootlegs he actually used Miles Sanders Miles Sanders has gotten 18 touches the last two games combined he got 18 touches in this one game and again Miles Sanders is hitting home runs left right and center this year so you got to feed Miles Sanders if you want your offense to be successful when you're lacking playmakers on the outside. And that's what Doug Peterson did this week. And if I'm Carson Wentz, like, I don't know. And from an outside perspective, I don't know. Is it Carson Wentz who's audibling, changing the offense? He has too much power on the offense. Or is it Doug Peterson calling a completely different game and favoring the strengths of his quarterback in Jalen Hurts and his rookie quarterback and backup quarterback and not doing it for Carson Wentz? Either way, it's just weird because if I'm Carson Lentz, why would I audible to a pa- like a deep shot pass play when I know that my offensive line isn't going to hold for like more than one second? Just overall, a very weird game, and I'm left with more questions than answers from the Eagles. But it's clear that the offense is working with him at least early in that game because he was just executing. Like he wasn't making killer mistakes, wasn't playing hero ball. And for the Saints, Taysom Hill for me. He's, he's all right, but I don't think he's a long-term answer at quarterback. And I said this the last two weeks. And honestly, like, I think most people have thought this, but there's no question for me that Taysom Hill is, isn't, like, the long-term answer at quarterback. You've got to do something when Drew Brees retires if you're the Saints. Yeah, definitely. I think that, that was honestly the biggest takeaway I had with this game. Um, 
Taysom Hill, uh, I think he needs more experience. I'll put it that way. You can't immediately get him the QB1 job. Um, yeah, he could be the future, just not yet. I think that's, that's where I, I leave it there. Eagles looked impressive. I mean, I would say the fact that they had two 100-yard rushers is, is quite impressive. It's, a, it's a quite an impressive feat, something I never expected them to have. And, uh, yeah, it, I actually – yeah, I never expected to see the Eagles have two 100-yard rushers. I can honestly leave it there. And that, that might have done the job. I mean, Miles Sanders did have, like, an, a, a, like an 80-yard touchdown. But, I mean, regardless, I think uh, I never – did I, what I expect from them like this. Jalen Rager led the team in receiving yards, two receptions for 46 yards. Jalen Hurts uh, looked good. I mean, yeah, th- th- this, was a, this was a great performance by the Philadelphia Eagles. And I think <laughs> by the way things are looking, I don't know if they're giving up on the season yet, Reed, and I think uh, they still want to make that playoff push against uh, the Washington football team. Um, that's the way it's looking like. I don't, I don't know why they wouldn't just – um, you know, just focus on the rebuild and uh, go and like re restructuring their franchise. But uh, yeah, man, uh, Jalen Hurts, like, like I said, Jalen Hurts looked really good. And uh, for a debut as the rookie QB, that, that that was quite an impressive performance against that too. The top, a, a top defense like New Orleans, who's been shutting everyone down. Uh, I definitely expected them to shut down the Eagles and give Jalen Hurts a tough time. That never really happened, and yeah, I gotta give serious props to that. Uh, they, they they proved all the haters wrong. But yeah, we can move on. Uh, Reed, unless you have yeah, we can we can just go through some of these games real quickly. So New yeah, York, yeah, we'll the Jets versus Seahawks. Uh, the Seahawks scored forty on them, irrelevant. Cowboys scored thirty on the Bengals, no Joe Burrow, irrelevant. Titans scored thirty-one on ten. Uh, 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 31 on the Jaguars. Jaguars only scored 10. Another irrelevant game. Um, yeah, we get all those irrelevant games. Arizona scored 26. The Giants scored 7. Um, my one takeaway from this game is that, again, Daniel Jones, I don't know if he's hurt. I believe he might miss this week as well uh, due to another injury, uh, another lower body injury. But, I mean, you got to have good quarterback play to win, and he just didn't do that. So that's my takeaway from that game. Um, Texans went into Chicago and lost seven to thirty six. And me and you, I think both of us picked the Texans. I want to say, yeah. yes, we did. Yeah, both. Of and us. yeah, my one takeaway is Mitchell Trubisky actually played well, and that if he plays well, then the Bears will win. Like it's that simple. They need competent quarterback play, and if they get more than that, then they're just gonna blow out teams because their defense is still a good defense, and their offense has decent weapons. So, yeah, that's my takeaway from this game. You need good quarterback play in order to win if you're the Bears. And, like, if they'd gotten this right earlier, like, if maybe Mitch Trubisky developed differently, or if, you know, they drafted another quarterback, then they might have won the Super Bowl, or they might have at least made a deep playoff push already in the last three years. So, that's my takeaway from that. Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree with that. Uh, Yeah, we can move on then. Vikings, Bucks. This was honestly quite irrelevant too because we both expected the Bucks to win this game, I believe, correct, Reed? Uh, yeah. So my one takeaway is that um, the Vikings, like they're six and seven right now. I believe they're like eighth in the or ninth in the playoff seating. 
But for me, the best thing they can do right now is just go through these games, forget about the playoffs. Like, if you make the playoffs, you make it. If you don't make it, whatever. You just got to get your rookies and young players experience because, like, I don't think coaching's a major problem on this team. Like, Mike Zimmer, this is his first bad year, and this isn't even a bad year. They're six and seven. Like, this is his first bad year, and, like, it's not like he forgot how to coach. I think it's more that, like, their defense had to reload a ton, and that's obviously causing massive problems with execution. So if they can fix that by playing out these last games and working through having an actual training camp next year, then I think the the uh, Vikings are in for a rebound season. And, yeah, that's my takeaway from that. Um, Packers-Lions, right? I watched this whole game. Again, Aaron Rodgers, phenomenal throughout the whole game. Devontae Adams, phenomenal. Really, uh, other than Travis Kelsey, I think he's definitely in line for an Offensive Player of the Year award. Definitely. Matt Stafford also played phenomenal. He ended up getting hurt. And I don't know if this is the last time we're going to see Matt Stafford. I think he fractured a rib, I believe. Uh, did it very late in that game. I mean, if I'm Matt Stafford, I don't even know, like, why I'm still on the Lions. Like, period. Just point blank. Because, like, it's clear the Lions, like, they never got the coach right for him other than Jim Caldwell. And when they did get that right, they messed they it up for him. Out. Yeah, they fired him. Like, the one time they actually had a competent coach, it all went wrong. And then, they, like, the Lions have just been in a perpetual rebuilding year, like, every two years. Like, if I'm Matt Stafford, right, and if I'm the Lions, honestly, like, the, it, it's very much possible that sort of, you know, the voyage has run its course. Like, everything's whatever. Just say bye. Like, thank you, Matt Stafford. You've done a lot of good things for us. It's time to move on and get another quarterback. Like, if I'm Matt Stafford and I hit the market, like, why not go to the Bears? Why not go to a team like, um, obviously, I think the Jaguars are going to draft a quarterback. But, like, maybe if the 49ers coaching job or wide, rather wide receiver running quarterback job is open, like, why wouldn't I go there? Like, it's just, like, Matt Stafford, every time I watch him, I'm, like, taken away. Because there was one play that I think the refs got really wrong. It's um, late in this game, fourth quarter. Matt Stafford throws a perfect ball, 35, 40 yards downfield. And it's a perfect ball in the left corner, right at the uh, right at the goal line. And it was caught by Marvin Jones, who was a phenomenal deep ball receiver. But this ball is perfect. Like, if Patrick Mahomes made this throw, it would be all over Bleacher Report, all over ESPN. Obviously, it was Matt Stafford. Didn't get all over it. it was, uh, they ruled it not a catch. And after a challenge, they still ruled it not a catch, even though it looked like Marvin Jones got both his feet in bounds. But that's a phenomenal throw. Like Mar uh, Matt Stafford can do phenomenal things with the football, and he's been wasted his entire career. And I, if I were him, I would want out. Uh, that's my final takeaway. Anything else you want to say about that game? No, no. I think you covered everything. Uh, let's see what other games. Broncos-Panthers. We <laughs> both expected the Panthers to win this game. Uh, this was a game that, I mean, we expected the Panthers to win because, honestly, initially I'm thinking to this week, we thought Christian McCaffrey would be playing. Christian McCaffrey did not end up playing. Uh, I was going to consider changing this pick up, but uh, I wanted to keep the word in this time and just uh, let it flow and see how it went. Uh, and, yeah, the Broncos. Uh, Drew Locke put on a great performance, but my problem with Drew Locke is he's, in he's quite inconsistent, man. Uh He's, he's quite iffy. Sometimes he has excellent games, like say where he gets 200 yards and four touchdowns. And some games where 
he he just completely freezes. And uh, but yeah, KJ Hamler, Drew Lock, that connection definitely showed out in that game. Uh, and the Panthers truly showed why uh, how important and how valuable Christian McCaffrey is for that team. Even though Mike Davis found himself uh, quite a good game. Yeah, for me, my one takeaway, actually two, Teddy Bridgewater. Late in this game, he had a chance to come back and have a game-winning drive. Didn't see it through. This is the second time he's done that this year. I believe the first time, I'm forgetting who it was, but it was around week seven, and he couldn't pull it through again. And Teddy Bridgewater, I mean, his stat line, 30 for 40, 283, zero touchdowns, zero interceptions. Like, that's just a quarterback you're getting with Teddy Bridgewater. Like, he's very flatlined. He's not going to really cost you games big time, but he's also not going to win you games. And like right now, I think he's like a perfect quarterback for a rebuilding team. But if I'm the Panthers, and I don't know if it's this year or next year, currently Teddy Bridgewater is on a three-year deal. So he's got two more years after, after this uh, year. I don't know if you want to get rid of him or like bring in a, another quarterback, maybe like a Matt Stafford or maybe drafting a young quarterback, whatever it is. But I think long-term Teddy Bridgewater, like three, four years down the seat of the line, he's not the quarterback for the Panthers. And Drew Locke, these highs are why he's worth sort of not giving up on because, I mean, he had a phenomenal game, 21 for 27, four touchdowns, zero picks. He's done this multiple times in his career, and he's also had games where he throws four picks. So it's like, yeah, I think coaching for him is big. And also, like, he got injured. He's lost lots of his weapons due to injury, namely Corton Sutton, who's a phenomenal wide receiver. So, like, you can't give up on Drew Locke yet, in my opinion. And, yeah, that's my takeaway from that game. We can move on to the Falcons-Chargers game. And, honestly, you can take it away because I, I don't even know what to say about this game. Yeah, uh, this game was a crapshoot game. These are the kings of two teams. These are the teams that love to make games close. They're the kings of it in this entire league. They love to do that. Um, both, Honestly, I think they're evenly matched. And, uh, yeah, that's why this game was quite close. Julio Jones didn't play for the Falcons. I think that was a major impact on the result of this game. Uh, but, I mean, Austin Eckler uh, led the team in rushing and receiving yards. Uh, this dude's like a mini CMC or Rebus, but when he's on the field, he, 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 he did get hurt, so he missed quite some time. But that impact, bro, he does have McCaffrey's impact on that offense. It's kind of insane, considering they have Keenan Allen and Mike Williams on that team and Hunter Henry. But Austin Eckler, dude, he, he's, he's really, really damn good. And uh, he showed it there. Um, Falcons, Calvin Ridley. This might be a breakout year for Calvin Ridley, man. He's, he's a wide he, – we always thought of him as a wide receiver too. Um, second fiddle to Julio Jones. And obviously when Julio Jones is on the field, you, you can kind of see that. But he's still – even when Julio Jones is on, on the field, he's, he's been putting up great num- numbers this year. And it's like they have two wide receiver ones on the same team with these. And Calvin Ridley, who they invested a first-round pick years ago, I think is now starting to pay off, pay off huge dividends. Um, unfortunately, they could have also used that first-round pick for some defensive help. But, hey, man, Calvin Ridley still he's still looking quite solid. And uh, Todd Gurley is a no-show. I mean, I can't, I can't really say anything. It's either Kamara or Kansas City. Yeah, I think there were three picks in, like, the fourth quarter. So, clearly, both these teams were trying to choke. And eventually, the Falcons ended up choking harder. 28-3 to is 
probably a bigger choke than anything the Chargers have done this season. So it makes sense. Um, yeah, we can yeah, move on. We There's one more game. Uh, that we haven't talked about, and that's the Washington football team against the San Francisco 49ers. And in this game here, takeaways, the football team doesn't even need to have a great offense to win these football games. Alex Smith got out, Dwayne Haskins stepped in, and Dwayne Haskins didn't look amazing either. But, hey, man, they just need to, like, run the ball a few times, and they'll win the game. Alex Smith had 57 total passing yards. He got hurt midway through the game. Um, and yeah, just this, this nine, this uh, Washington football team defense, man. Chase Young, I think, has just locked in rookie, uh, defensive rookie of the year. That strip sack and fumble recovery for a touchdown, uh, you can't, uh, he's simply too gifted, Reed. Uh, it's, it's a shame. I mean, these, these, the Bengals obviously made the right pick at one with Joe Burrow, but my god, can you imagine really? passing up on Chase Young, because that, that dude is just generating, I swear, I think him and like the Miles Garrett's of the world, the TJ Watts of the world, uh, JJ Watts of the world, those guys, you just can't pass, Aaron Donald, like, it, it, it's just, it's crazy, man, what, what Chase Young has been doing, and he, he's completely revolutionized his defense, and Montez Sweat, he's looked insane as well, I mean, he just goes on and on. Ronald Darby's no longer a bum. I, I don't know, man. Reba, it, it, yeah, obviously, uh, Debo Samuel got hurt midway through the game, so that's definitely that's a major impact considering Debo Samuel plays a major role in this Niners offense. Raheem Mostert got hurt as well uh, in the game. Raheem Mostert gets hurt, though, I think now, like every time he, he sees the field. I don't know how. Um, but when he's on the field, he's good. Uh, obviously, their starting quarterback is not playing. This their star, superstar tight end, uh, George Kittle, is not playing either. So the offense is definitely depleted. But even then, man, this offense, the, the nine of the Washington football team has is non-existent. Like, absolutely non-existent. Like, like I mean, come on. Uh, I, I find it crazy that um, the football, that the nine is allowed 23 points. That's, that's the way I look at it. I don't know about you, Reed, but 23 points to a team that doesn't have an offense. Obviously, seven came from the touchdown, but uh, the fumble recovery. But it's 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 crazy. I, I, it's just absolutely crazy. Yeah. So I've got a couple of things to say about that. And for me, like the foundation that the Washington football team currently have, like I know there's a good chance, like they need to win. I think one of the last three games uh, to make it into the playoffs. And if they do that, I mean, they're set. They're going to finish the year with a 7-9 and nine record at the worst. And they face Philly Week 17, I believe. So they'll probably beat Philly by then or whoever they beat. It doesn't really matter. But they've got to win one of these last three games. They do that, they're in. Um, Really, the foundation they've set with Ron Rivera, they've drafted well. They have Chase Young, obviously. I don't know if he's definitely Defensive Rookie of the Year. I'm sure Jeremy Chin has something to say about that. But – I mean, he's playing well. His nickname on pro football reference is literally Predator because, I mean, that's all you have to say about him. But also, they had a pick six this week too. Cameron Curl, another rookie. I think he's like a six-round pick. So the rookies from this draft class are making a pretty big impact, and they're changing the culture around the Washington football team. Like, if I'm a Washington football team fan, like, first of all, you're completely rebranding. Like, you're, you're no longer going to be the Redskins. You're going to change your team. 
I mean, next thing all you need is an actual good stadium. Like, I could like if they find a good quarterback, and whether that be Dwayne Haskins or someone else, like the Washington football team could very much be the future of the NFC East because I like what they're setting up with these good rookie picks. Um, I mean, they have good superstars. Like they have Chase Young. That's all you got to say. So just the way they're building a team is very impressive. Yeah, man, I, I definitely agree. Uh, the Washington football team is building a great, it's a great franchise right now. And then Ron Rivera is putting himself uh, in that category of uh, coaches that uh, could win coach of the year. I'm not saying he will, but uh, I mean, they are going to finish uh, most likely under 500 unless they win the next two games, which is quite crazy. But uh, yeah, we can move on, Reeb. Um We'll move to our power rankings, and then we're going to look at the playoff picture and give our game predictions. So last week, um, I'm going to recap the top 10. Uh, Reap had the Chiefs 1, Steelers 2, Saints 3, Packers 4, Rams 5, Seahawks 6, Bills 7, Bucks 8, Browns 9, and Titans 10. I had Chiefs 1, Steelers 2, Saints 3, Packers 4, Bills 5, Rams 6, Seahawks 7, Browns 8, Bucks 9, and they're still playing right now. So, uh, yeah, Reba, you can take us away. I'm pretty sure we both have the same number one team in the Kansas City Chiefs. And I think number two for us, I'm assuming we have it changed, correct? Yeah, so I have Green Bay at number two, Correct. and yep, I still do. think they have a major flaw in their run defense. Like, if they face a run-heavy team, like, I don't know if they can stop that. But, I mean, their offense, best offense in the league, Aaron Rodgers, in my opinion, is the best quarterback currently in the league. So, yeah, I mean, you got to give them props for that. And their run game is also extremely underrated on all. I feel like the year that Aaron Rodgers is having, it's sort of overshadowing their run game. Versus like 2019, the run game took away from Aaron Rodgers. And like we talked lots about Aaron Rodgers saying he's declining, blah, blah, blah. But what, like clearly the run game is having a really big impact. Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, these two guys are doing big things on the offensive side of the ball in the ground game that I think are going very much under notice. And if the Packers have to run out of game, I believe they can. So yeah, the offense to me is what makes them number two. Three for me, I have New Orleans at three. They did lose, but I'm expecting them to get Drew Brees back actually. Then that's that's what makes it at three for me. Yeah, same thing for me. I also same reasons. Uh, Drew Brees. I mean, Taysom Hill is not it, but even with Taysom Hill, not they've won two of their right last now. three games. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I honestly do believe though Taysom Hill has potential to be a great QB. Uh, it's just not. He's not it right now. He, I mean, he, he got his first career passing touchdown lead literally last week. Uh, not against the Eagles, but he got it. Uh, he got it literally last week against the Falcons. So I mean, it'll take time for him to develop. Uh, so you can't you can't obviously rule out the Taysom Hill thing forever. But I definitely agree that you can't. He definitely won't be ready immediately to take that starting job once they put him in place. Uh, so we both have the the steel the Saints at three and four. I'm assuming we both have the Steelers at four. Although yeah. a lot of people have Steelers outside the top five, I, I can't do that. Um, they did lose back to back games, and eleven and two teams shouldn't be at four. They should probably be at two. 
but they did lose two in a row here. And um, so it's the way they lost the two games in a row that, that that's kind of sticking out to me. But I think uh, that they're, they're going to prove themselves uh, with these, these past three games that they have coming up, especially next week against Cincinnati. Um, but I think uh, I think they'll, they'll fix themselves up uh, when the playoff time comes. Yeah, for me, I'm not worried about the defense. I just need to see something from the offense. And if I don't see something in the next two weeks, I'm definitely going to not be as high on the Steelers as other people are. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, I think that's fair. I think that's fair, fair to say. So um, five last week, you had the Rams. So are you going to move the Bills into your top five league or the Seahawks into your top five? Or are you going to keep the Rams still put at five? I'm moving the Bills up there, bro. And, I mean – Impressive win. That's all I can say. Impressive win against the Steelers. I mean, I'm looking at what I'm seeing. Their defense is sort of stepping up a bit now compared to where it was earlier in their season where it just wasn't that good. Very much an overrated defense earlier in the season. This, uh, The last few weeks, they've been stepping up, making bigger plays. And Josh Allen, for me, is definitely uh, – he's not an MVP candidate, but he's definitely someone who is playing – almost underrated football because of Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson. Like he's definitely in that conversation at least. And yeah, I mean, Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, that that combination is clearly working out very well for that offense. And I mean, I remember I said this after they lost to the Houston Texans in the wildcard round last season in the playoffs. I said, I think he needs a star wide receiver because I don't think throwing guys like Andre Holmes is going to help his development and help him, win these big games and clearly Stefan Diggs is is making a big difference and Josh Allen is also taking a huge leap yeah definitely uh yeah five for me is also going to be exactly the same as yeah I'm going to take five also as the Buffalo Bills here six for me I'm gonna so six for me uh last week was the Rams and I'm gonna keep them as is Five was Buffalo for me last week. I'm going to keep that as is. So five for me was Buffalo. Six is going to be the LA Rams. Uh, they did get they got they they did their job. Um, I I sustain that I'm even moving them down, but I mean I mean not moving them can't move them up, but uh, yeah they'll stay put right now um, at six. Yeah, it's the same thing for me. Same reasons. I have Seattle at seven. Same reasons as well. Like they won big against the Jets, like they should have. Um, can't really raise them because everyone else I think had a better week than them and I can't drop them because I don't think anyone had a better week than them so uh, yeah that's just where I'm at with Seattle yeah uh, Seattle last week I had them at seven this week they was at seven uh, they, they beat the Jets I mean you're not going to move them down for being the Jets but they did their job but all the teams that are ahead of them I think are better teams at the moment so seven I'm going to put yeah Seattle uh, eight for me last week, I had Cleveland at eight. And actually, that is going to stay at eight. They did lose. So I would normally think, okay, maybe I should put Baltimore in my top ten. Not yet, man. Baltimore is not even a playoff team yet. So you can't put them as a top ten team in the NFL until they get there. Uh, so, I mean, right now, uh, yeah, I'm going to put um, I'm gonna put the Cleveland Browns at, at uh, uh, stay put at eight where they were last even though they lost to Baltimore in a very competitive game. Yeah, and I have the Bucks at number eight, and it's purely because I think they have a functioning defense. 
So I have the Bucks staying at eight, which was where I had them last week. And I have the Browns at number nine. They also did not drop off for me. They were at number nine last week. And it's the same reasons, dude. Like, I'm impressed by this offense. Extremely impressed by Baker Mayfield. Extremely impressed by Kevin Stefanski and these, this armada of running backs they have. So I've just got to say, the Browns offense to me is extremely impressive. And they, they beat a big boy team in the Titans. They beat a big boy team in the Colts. And they almost beat a big boy team in the Ravens. So, I mean, this Week 17 Steelers matchup is really going to be big. And if they can win that matchup, I don't know if they win the division, but at the very least, like go, they're going to walk into the playoffs with a lot of confidence. Yeah. Uh, for me, I mean, it's kind of crazy. I actually have nine the Bucks. You have eight the Bucks, the nine the Browns. I have eight the Browns, nine the Bucks, um, for the exact same reasons you had. And ten for me is going to stay the same. I have actually this week a read. This is. Uh, other than the change with uh, Green Bay at uh, two and the Steelers at four, my uh, top ten list has been staying exactly the same. So I'm going to keep the Colts at uh, number ten for now. Yeah, I, I'm. Um, I have the Titans still at number ten. I have the Colts at eleven. I mean, they beat the Jags by a pretty big margin. The Colts beat the Raiders, so that, that's probably a more impressive win. But Brownies, I still have that. I, I still had that win against the Colts uh, in my mind. And I know they also lost to the Colts like two weeks before that, but that 34 to 17 whooping of the Colts is just sticking in my mind currently. And that's why I still have the Titans above them. But both, all, both these teams are good teams though. So that's just where I'm at. Definitely. And I think 11 for me will be the Titans, obviously. 12, I think I'm going to say the Ravens at 12. Definitely Ravens at 12, even though they're right now still out of the playoff picture right now, but we're going to talk about that soon. Uh, I have the Dolphins at 13, and then uh, 14, I'll put 14, I'll put the football team at 14. I'll be bold. I'll take the Washington football team at 14 because of the, the win against Pittsburgh and the win against so that's the Washington football team at 14, the Dolphins at 13. I probably also have the Ravens at 12. I'll put the Dolphins at 13. And then I'll have the Cardinals at 14. Yeah, um, that's also fair. Yeah, th- that's just where I'm at. We can move on. And I just want to hit on the playoff picture currently. So we can start on the AFC side. The Chiefs have the number one seed. That's very much coveted number one seed. That's the only seed that gets a first round by in the new playoff system with seven teams per conference. Second are the Steelers. Third are the Bills sitting at 10 and three. Titans are sitting at four, nine and four. And the Titans, I mean, the Titans are, they had the same record as the, uh, the Colts do currently. And obviously they're not going to match up. So I don't know how the tiebreakers are going to work them all, but that's probably a key matchup uh, or not even a matchup, just a key thing to wa- wa- uh, like watch at because either one of those teams can flip flop and, I mean, that's just going to work out who the opponent is. And this is, it's very much possible that both these teams could end up facing each other in the playoffs the first round, which would be cool. Yeah, I, I actually, I don't know if you can see the tab. I have a tab pulled up here. Um, yeah, AF, uh, one, C- Kansas City, two, Pittsburgh, uh, three, Bills. I mean, the Bills, the, I mean, looking at the next game schedule, I think, 
right now, I'd be scared if I was my enemy. Uh, my NFL is bound to be coming up here today. And NFC, the Packers, they know how to first come by with that loss to Lauren Pad. Um, yeah, Arib, uh, quite interesting stuff that we have right now. I mean, when it comes to these uh, different um, scenarios right now, I'm going to pull up another statistic. I'm going to pull up uh, some numbers here. I'll use uh, a website. Have you, I don't know if you've heard of them. It's called 538. Yeah, I have. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so um, here, let me pull it up. So for me, in the AFC, the seventh seed is the most, like, that's the biggest question mark. And like you see, I'm seeing it right now. The the Ravens um, have an 88% chance of making the playoffs. And I don't know if you've seen their schedule at all, but the Ravens' schedule, it's the Jags in Baltimore, the Giants in Baltimore, and then they go to uh, Cincinnati to end the year. That's very well could be three dubs. They finish the year 11 and five. And the Dolphins' schedule, I mean, it's very much a rough that's schedule. That's the most likely outcome. Yeah, yeah and yeah, the Dolphins, yeah, the Dolphins are facing the Patriots, then they face the Raiders, and then they face the Bills week 17. Like, they could easily go, yeah, yeah, they could easily go to a one and three in that scenario. And if they go two and three, I think they pull it out, I believe. Uh, I'm not 100% sure. But if they don't, if they go – one and three they're out of the playoff picture most likely unless the ravens throw a game and the raiders for me i mean the raiders are completely i want to say the raiders are out but the raiders also have a hard matchup they face the chargers tomorrow on thursday night football then they face the dolphins and then the broncos who are playing good football so i'd probably eliminate the raiders and yeah they have a 15 percent chance of making it currently i believe so um yeah i just don't they went out their chances increased significantly but that being said yeah you're right it's 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 going to be quite hard for them to win it man these teams are all playing quite well even denver's playing well chargers just came off a win and uh chargers will always give teams tough times and then miami's obviously a playoff contender so uh but yeah and when it comes to the nfc east you can't call it oh you can't call it yet i mean it looks like the washington football team does have a 75 percent chance in uh, clearing the division. I mean, this week they're against Seattle, so I don't know if that'll necessarily help them. And then, uh, but let's say they win Carolina. So, I mean, just based on uh, the Washington football team can definitely uh, seal this division soon. Uh, but, yeah, so that's the, that's the overall playoff picture, like, uh, like we shared before. Um, just the Packers and the Chiefs. I would love to see a Super Bowl like that, man, where the two one seeds face each other. Like, that would be an insane mm-hmm. Super Bowl. I, I know you would like that. Mahomes versus Rodgers. Two extremely talented quarterbacks. I know uh, sometimes, I know I, I used to give Aaron Rodgers some stick. I know you give Mahomes some stick. But at the end of the day, they're both extremely talented players. And I, I would love to see a Super Bowl like that happen. Uh, they'd both be going for their second championship, and that could cement uh, a legacy for sure, especially in Aaron Rodgers' case, um, joining the list of quarterbacks with at least two Super Bowl rings. I mean, that, that would be that'd be quite a feat. That, too, in two different decades. Uh, yeah, man, that, that would be amazing. And, 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. We had, I had, we had both had the Saints in the Super Bowl um, entering into the season, and obviously it's still a possibility. Uh, they were the number one team in the NFC entering into last week. So, yeah, man, interesting stuff. Yeah, before we move on, I want to talk about the seventh seed for the in the NFC. The Cardinals currently have it. They have a one-game lead over the Vikings and the Bears. I think we can eliminate eliminate the Lions. Uh, the Lions are five and eight. I don't think they're gonna win out, and I don't think the Cardinals are gonna lose out for that to happen. Um, the Bears, the Bears. That's a playoff game. Uh, which yeah, the Bears Vikings game this week uh, is honestly a playoff game. If the Vikings. Uh, whoever wins this game is probably going to end up being the contender. And if it ends up being the Bears, then they face the Jaguars week 16 and then the Packers week 17. So I'd say a semi-difficult end to the schedule. And for the Vikings, the Vikings face the Bears and then the Saints. So that's a tough schedule. And then the Lions, which is no freebie. So definitely both those two teams have a rough uh, outlook looking to, uh, definitely looking out and looking into the playoffs. So I would probably give it to Arizona, but still very interesting to look Arizona at. Can't afford, Arizona can't afford, though, to lose them to uh, Philly or San Fran. Uh, uh, you know, yeah, they can't afford and them. I think they there's can't. a good chance they lose to the Rams Week 17 again. So yeah, that's just yeah, overall, the Cardinals, they've got to win out, most likely, or they at least go 2-1. Because if, if uh, the winner of that Bears Viking that Bears uh, Vikings game this week, and if the Cardinals lose one more game, they're they're toast. Actually, the, the, the Cardinals have to go at least two and one to make the playoffs. And obviously, if they're in favorites, the odds say that they will. But um, yeah, man, that that seven seed is very interesting right now uh, of the NFC. Uh, we can move on now. Uh, now, since we're going to be talk- since we just talked about the game uh, about the different scenarios that are there um, in the NFL playoff picture, we can move on to our game predictions for the week. We starts off this the, now finally we're reaching Saturday night football. Um, Philippe, are you excited for this time of the year where we have football back on Saturdays rather than watching college football? We get to watch a good old NFL football uh, on Saturday. Uh, I mean, I can't wait. You're reminding me, it's already bringing back that playoff time. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. I don't know if they're necessarily the best matchups, but hey, I'd much rather watch football than study for my final exam. So, yeah, um, <laughs> football on Saturday is any day better than football. I'm, I'm sorry. I mean, I love football on Sundays too, but any day football on Saturday, any day of the week. And I know you would agree with that too. Any day, any time, I'll take football. On I don't know, man. Sunday night football is kind of fun. But uh, <laughs> Sunday, Sunday night football is different, but you have cl- I mean, I know the people that are listening to this are probably like in college, they have morning classes, so they got to get up early, and you know, Sunday night football is get late. At least Saturday, you have Sunday as well to do your work. That's why I love Saturday football as well. Uh, but yeah, so we have three games before, um, before Sunday hit, and uh, we'll start with the, the Thursday night game. Uh, the LA Chargers against the Las Vegas Raiders. The Raiders are three-point favorites here, and uh, I think the Raiders will um, they will bounce back from their loss against Indy and their abysmal performance against the Jets and uh, bounce back from their performance against the Chargers. Yeah, the Raiders are just a, a pretty solid to good team in prime time, and 
I mean, the primetime thing is actually like very much a real thing. We've seen like, for example, Kirk Cousins be horrendous on Monday Night Football for his entire career. And he finally got his first win, I think, like a couple weeks ago. Like, and this is like, what, eight, nine years into his career. So it's definitely like the, the spotlight is definitely a very much real thing. And yeah, I think in the spotlight, the Raiders are going to outshine the Chargers. And the Chargers, man, I mean, they're just weird. And they'll probably, they'll probably have a lead sometime in this game, and then they'll end up throwing it late, and Derek Carr will throw a game-winning touchdown pass. So that's probably my prediction. Um, we can move on to Bills at Broncos, 4.30 on Saturday. The Bills are just a better team. So I think I'd assume you're picking the Bills as well. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. If the Broncos, the Broncos could make it close though if uh, if they play the way that similar they did who played against Kansas City. But I think the Bills are better than Broncos still, because it is in the Mile High League. So you never know what happens there. Um, uh, Panthers, Packers. Uh, we will expect the Packers to win. Packers to win here. I'm pretty sure you do too. Yeah, no um, question. Now we'll move on to the one o'clock games. Uh, starts off with the AFC East. Uh, divisional matchup between the New England Patriots and the Miami Dolphins. The Dolphins are two-point favorites here. And I think every game from now on, the Dolphins have to win because the Ravens are right behind them. And, uh, yeah, uh, I'm going to take – this is tough. I think the Dolphins here have, have their backs against the wall, so they have to perform, and that's why I'm going to take the Dolphins here. Yeah, I mean, we've seen the Dolphins have good defense. And Xavier Howard, the corner for the Miami Dolphins, I believe he's had a five- or six-game stretch where he's gotten a pick every single week. So he's definitely maybe low-key in defensive player of the year uh, consideration at the very minimum. And he's also locking players down. Xavier Howard is a very underrated cornerback. But, yeah, the defense he here. Tyree Kill. Mm, that pick he had. Exactly. Beautiful. Beautiful. That's, all, that's all you can say. So Xavier Howard um, against whatever these guys – I mean, I think Julian Edelman might be coming back. It doesn't really matter. Like, New England doesn't have an offense. So I'm going to pick the team with an offense with Tua, who is sort of getting overshadowed almost. But he's playing some decent football. I'm going to go with the, uh, the Dolphins here. Um, Jaguars at the Ravens. We can just go through that. We know the Ravens are going to win that game. Yeah, we can – yeah. Titans-Lions, we know that the Titans are going to win here, obviously. Uh, we can do, let's see, there's a bunch that we could probably do. Texans, Colts, I'm assuming we'll both take the Colts, correct? Uh, yeah, correct. Yeah. Uh, Jets, Rams, we can already predict that one, book that one. Steelers, Bengals, I think we can also book that one uh, for the Steelers. Uh, now we'll go into the rest of these games, yeah. Uh, um, yeah, so. Yeah. Um, we can do Bears, Vikings. Yeah, we'll do that one first. Uh, the Bears are three-point dogs against uh, the Vikings. It is in Minnesota. Uh, this is an interesting game because the Bears just came off an impressive win against a team that doesn't have any, any type of offensive or defensive uh, togetherness in the Houston Texans. But we still expected the Texans to win, and they shut it, and uh, the Bears shut us up. Um, I'm going to take the Vikings here, though, man. I think... Uh, I think the Bears won't be able to stop Dalvin Cook at the end of the day, and that that'll be the reason. And the Vikings killed them on Monday night, the uh, last time they played. So I don't expect anything different here. Yeah, I mean the Bears' offense, dude. They had one good week in 13 games. So 
I'm just going to go back to the default and assume that they're going to have a huge letdown game. And yeah, I, I think my streak of voting against the Bears continues this week. I'm going with the Vikings. Um, Seattle goes to Washington, Maryland rather, to face the Washington football team. They're five-point favorites, I believe. I'm going to go with yeah. Seattle. Yeah, this one, the, Seah- the Seahawks just came off a loss. They, they, I mean, they beat the Jets, but they came off a loss in the same area to uh, the New York Giants. Uh, they looked awful in that game. I, don't, I, don't, I can't see them. Yeah. Who's this game that you would, this weird South right now? I think uh, they're three and a half to five for the Chiefs to play. Because they, yeah, they only they lose mm-hmm. two NFC East teams now. And then the third NFC team, NFC East team, you keep it uh, a possession game. Yeah, man, that's kind of, that's kind of worrisome if you ask me. Yeah, I 100% agree. But I think they're going to get the job done. Yeah, um, they'll get the job done. Yeah, Tampa Bay at Atlanta. They're five and a half point favorites. Atlanta sucks. So I got to go with the Bucks. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to I'm trying to keep the Falcons thing keep going and keep on predicting them. But the problem is, Reed, the more I predict against them, the more you're getting dissuaded on me when it comes to this overall season-ending prediction. And honestly, I would be up if I didn't if I just kept on picking someone else other than Atlanta. And you know that's true. But hey, man, I I, I I'm gonna stick to it. I think the Bucks can't lose any game. They they also can't lose. Um, because if they lose, that, that's kind of pathetic, actually, if they lose to the Falcons now. It's in Atlanta. I'm expecting Julio Jones to come back, so I'm going to take the Atlanta Falcons here. Yeah, and currently, for the record, I have a three-game lead on you, so do what you will with that information. Um, So, <laughs> exactly. yeah. Niners at Dallas. Niners are three-point favorites. Um, It's interesting. Game. It's very interesting, and the fact that it's like an irrelevant game because none of these teams are going to the playoffs. The Niners suck. The Niners um, could. The Niners could. They, they, they mathematically could. Yeah, but so can the Cowboys. They can mathematically still win the division, but I don't, I'm not betting on that. I'm going to go with the no, Niners, it's, it's a, though. That's true, yeah. I think the Niners, the Cowboys' defense, still, like, they play bad opponents, but I think when it comes down to it, Kyle Shanahan is going to find a way to scheme his guys open. And that's all that's going to matter. He's going to make the game easy for Nick Mullins. And, yeah, I mean, they, they literally upset the Rams a couple weeks ago, and that's a very much an impressive win. And the Dallas Cowboys have done nothing remotely impressive recently. So, Yeah, so um, so actually recently uh, today, I guess we could call this news. I'm going to tell it towards the end of the podcast. But uh, the 49ers designated uh, George Kittle to return from IR here. And uh, I don't know if he's going to play this week. But regardless, I, I like the upset pick here. And uh, not upset. Uh, I think the Niners will get the job done against Dallas here. I think it's uh, the San Francisco 49ers here. But if George Kittle comes, that'll be the icing on the cake. And uh, we'll both we'll all enjoy that Sunday game. Right, Reed? Uh, yeah, I agree. Yeah, so I would love to see George Kittle can play. But obviously, health is number one. If he's not ready to play, it's not going to I'll take I'll take uh I'll take the Niners here. Eagles uh Cardinals. This is a this is a game that um is interesting because they both have mobile quarterbacks. They both uh have Oklahoma University uh products and uh, Jalen Hurts and Kyler Murray. 
the successor to Kyler Murray was Jalen Hurts. And uh, yeah, man, it's, it's interesting stuff here. Uh, I'm going to take, I'm, I'm actually, I don't know, man. The Cardinals, to, to begin with, the Cardinals are six and a half point favorites here. I'm going to take the Cardinals here, but I can see the Eagles upset. And if the Eagles do upset the Cardinals, I don't think the Cardinals are making the playoffs. I can tell you that right now. And I think yeah, and that's why I'm picking the Cardinals. They have their backs to the wall. They got the better quarterback, better offense overall. Um, but, yeah, and Hassan Reddick, dude, I think he's being his, – his five-sack performance is being undershadowed. But, like, he had some good sacks. It wasn't all freebies. And, yeah, I've got to give credit to him. Uh, not giving him credit while actually going through the game recaps um, was probably a poor – um, poor decision on my part. But, yeah, I'm going to go with the Cardinals. And the Eagles, bro, like, I don't know. Jalen Hurts, I've got to see him do more with his arm. And if he doesn't, then they're going to lose this game. But, yeah, we can move on to probably game of the week, right? And yeah, the Kansas, City Chiefs, Kansas City Chiefs at the New Orleans Saints. And I have, I have a question on you uh, for you. Can you do a Drew Brees health check as of Wednesday, uh, December 16th? Because that's all that matters for this game. So – they're saying Breeze is designated to return, but that that only means so much, man. Uh, I, I, I don't necessarily know. They're saying he has a ways to go in this injury recovery. He hasn't ruled him. They haven't ruled him out yet, obviously. But uh, I don't think – they said the Saints would not rush to bring back Drew Breeze in Week 15 unless he made the full recovery. And he's able to throw without any limitations and had complete range of motion. Um, if that is the case – Okay, I'll put it to you this way. If, if the Saints have Drew Brees, I'm taking the Saints after the win, man. Because Chiefs just love to keep things close. And I think the Saints are going to take up that advantage. And I think the Chiefs are going to win it if Drew Brees plays. Now, if Drew Brees does not play, I'm taking the Chiefs all day. So, um, for now, I'm going to take the Chiefs because uh, I'm assuming Drew Brees isn't playing. Yeah, I'm in the same boat as you. Same exact reasoning. I got to go with the Chiefs here. And we can finish off um, – we already did Monday Night Football with the Steelers-Bengals, but we can finish off Sunday Night Football with the Browns and the New York Giants. The Browns are favorites here, and I've got them winning. They, they've played really impressive football the last few weeks, and the Browns uh, – the Giants don't have their quarterback, Gainer Jones. I don't know if Colt McCoy can do the job. He got the job done against Seattle a few weeks ago, but the Browns to me are a different beast, as in they're just a way more – sort of offensively overwhelming team. Like, if you can't stop the run, you're not winning this game. Yeah, I'm also going to take the, the Browns here. So, the, really, really the only game that we differed on was the Buccaneers Falcons game, and that was just a team messing around, but I'm going to still take that Falcons touchdown because it'll pay off at some point. Hey, I respect and, uh, it. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's either two-point gap or four-point gap. It is what it is. Um, yeah, because I, I can't really see any other upsets here, Reeves. I don't know about you. The Bears one you can potentially see. The Pats one you can potentially see. But these teams have their back against the wall so hard that if they lose, they're screwed. There's, like, that type of problem. Like, if the Dolphins lose one game, they're done. And if the Bears – and uh, if the Cardinals lose one game, they're done as well. Like, unless they beat the Rams, which is gonna, which is a tall order. That's what I'm saying. Like these teams, it's 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 such high stakes that it's it's impossible to see them like uh, squander it. 
same with the Raiders game. It's, it's hard for them there. It's hard for me to see them choke uh, and have that opportunity to make the playoffs and then just blowing it like that. Back to at week 15. It's not even the last week of the season. So, um, yeah, that, that's going to be my final thoughts about the schedule. Week 15, 15 weeks. Oh, we completed 14 weeks, and we're entering into week 15 already. But uh, I cannot wait. Uh, I'm excited and extremely blessed to see 14 weeks of amazing football. I'll be honest, I didn't expect us to get this get this far um, three and a half months in. We definitely didn't expect that. We've been posting every week. I've been very happy about that. We weren't able to do that last year, and I'm happy uh, that we've been, we've been able to keep that up since we broke the college now. And uh, we can keep up these weekly up, uploads. I know over break, uh, since Arib, Arib and I both were are in our final weeks right now, um, Arib's going to definitely be pulling out some content, it looks like. Um, uh, he's going to be looking at already into the future in uh, the 2021 NFL draft class. And he's going to be looking at another wide receiver draft, uh, draft class that's already just as stacked as the one that we saw this past year. We're seeing the talent even pull out, show out today. And I know like guys like when we talk about in our like wide receiver rankings in the podcast like six months ago, we were talking about guys like Donovan Peoples-Jones, right? That would make an impact. I mean, dude, that guy, he got drafted, what, sixth round, Reed? I would, be, I would take him, what, third round? I, I would have no problem with that pick. That's where I wanted uh, him, yep. Yeah, yeah, because he, he's a, he, he was the best receiver coming out of high school. Obviously, he didn't translate that well, but he's a raw prospect. And he, he looked amazing. He had all the talent. And, hey, man, I think, I think that the Browns find the, find the, find the guy. And I, I found the right young guy, and uh, yeah, just like stuff like that. I mean, I'm definitely looking forward uh, to seeing your videos that you're probably going to post uh, throughout the month uh, regarding these issues that we all see in the Yeah, so I'm just excited to see these playoff. Essentially, some of these games are playoff games. Uh, next three weeks that's where i'm at that's where my head's looking at and also i'm also looking at those wide receivers because as always the eagles are a wide receiver needy team but anyway that's my takeaway for episode 47 thank you for listening and peace out bye and yeah just have a good week